All right, Darren Smith, episode 27 of the Always Loyal Podcast. What's coming up? Jordan Carruth, this is episode 27. That is hard to believe. Loyal, shorthanded, at home. Take down RGV. First time ever we can say those words. Getting set for the defending USL champs. Talk about that. Plus, we'll meet Heath Pierce, former U.S. men's national teamer. Find out all about soccer in the U.S., that's coming up on this week's edition of the Always Loyal Podcast. I think you're going to have to see more of like a floated ball over the top. Moshapane who sends it in. And to the back post! There it goes! Conway puts San Diego back in front! Conway with his fifth goal in a Loyal jersey, fourth in USL. Yeah, and you see here just left foot in lower post. Stone Buena Mesa salt and lime lager is brewed with real lime and a touch of sea salt. It's the perfect beer for enjoying in the summer sun. Stone Brewing, also proud to be a longtime partner of the Surfrider Foundation San Diego chapter dedicated to the protection and enjoyment of the world's oceans, waves, and beaches. That's why for every six pack of Buena Mesa salt, Stone is donating $2 to Surfrider. You can visit find.stonebrewing.com to track down Buena Mesa near you. Do Buena. Live with Saturday night, Torero Stadium, San Diego Loyal get another win. This team, this is a good team we have in San Diego. The team is good. The team is deep. Evan Conway, once again, proves to be such an amazing addition to this team coming from a league below now up to USL championship. And there has just been no issue at all with that transition for Evan Conway and uh, Tumi Moshobani scoring yet another goal. And he is a player that has developed very nicely. And we'll talk about that. But a uh, pretty fun night Saturday night at Torero Stadium, huh, Darren? Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. Speaking of Buena Vesa, the Buena Vesa tall boys there at Torero Stadium, they tasted great, especially while picking up three points. The one thing, though, that San Diego Loyal Jordan did not do Saturday was preemptively make excuses for the fact that it was dealing with a shorthanded roster. Since Kyle Vassell was missing another game, hopefully we see Kyle sooner rather than later. It was good to see Kyle during the week. He was out there doing some work with San Diego Loyal. They went out and visited a bunch of YMCAs, and I was relieved personally. I'm sure you were as well. I'm sure all Loyal supporters were mm -hmm. to see that Kyle wasn't wearing a sling, given that he seemed to land pretty hard on the shoulder. So no Kyle Vassell. And then, unbeknownst, you, you probably could have could have come up with the idea that Kyle was not going to be available against RGV. But then to find out as I was walking into Torero Stadium, no Alejandro Guido. So you're without an MVP candidate. You're without one of the league scorers, leading scorers in Kyle Vassell, Jordan. That's that's pretty shorthanded. Two pretty key, important players against RGV, a club that you had never beaten before. And the club chose to not make any excuses before the match. There was no club statement before the match that they were doing the very best that they could. They just had the soldier on with Evan Conway and with whomever else it was that might not have started under normal conditions at full strength. And look at that walked out of there with three points and a two, one win against RGV. Let's let's start with Coke Vegas. Got to see that up close and personal. Didn't you? We chatted with Matt Hall last week on the podcast, goalkeeper coach for loyal. Um, also very involved with loyal select. If you missed that episode, go back, check it out. But he, he talked about his relationship with Coke Vegas, which I thought it was so cool. I really, 
until he really started talking about it. I had it given a lot of thought about, wow, I'm getting a goalie from La Liga. What is that going to be like? That hadn't crossed my mind, but clearly it had crossed Matt Hall's mind and how to prepare for that. Um, a little bit of a language barrier, how they get around that. Uh, Landon Donovan, it sounded like is an important piece to that puzzle. Um, so what we saw Saturday night from Coke Vegas was another really, really good performance. And it was, it was especially fun to see something like that after chatting it up with Matt Hall a week ago. Yeah. And, and having been there and, you know, I'm sure that Jack and Sal Cizo did a great job of talking about Coke Vegas on the broadcast, but being there, maybe it's just where I was sitting. I had some, some pretty spectacular angles, some views on Coke Vegas. He made five saves statistically, you know, that's officially what the tally is. Five saves for Coke Vegas against RGV. Obviously, in a 2-1 match, Jordan, those are really important, but it was the quality of the saves. You talk about fingertips, diving saves, in traffic. Uh, it felt like goals, especially in the absence of Alejandro Guido and with Kyle Vassell missing another match. It felt like, like you know, RGV came in here and, and pressed early on, certainly decided to take the match to San Diego Loyal. As a matter of fact, they sort of dominated them in terms of possession, something we know that the coaching staff really, really prioritizes for loyal. But I, I just thought the quality of the saves from Coke Vegas, as you mentioned, coming over from Mallorca, uh, being there, being the number one, I, I, I thought he had an outstanding night. I certainly think you could make the case that he was the man of the match. I think the locals ended up giving it to Colin Martin. Maybe the club itself announced to me Moshibani. But I, I thought Coke Vegas, at least from where I was sitting, and I again, I, I – was able to watch this and, and see certain things. Uh, maybe that you, you don't always get a chance to see on television. He was just a, he was ridiculously good and, and certainly could have, could have been named man of the match. Yeah. And it capped off a really good week. I referenced Jack Blake's goal from earlier in the week and a goal of the week candidate as at the time of us recording this, we don't know who's going to win. Mm -hmm. We know who we voted for, but we just don't know who the winner is quite yet. So overall a really, really good week. And we'll see that reflected in the standings update that we'll dive into a little bit later on in the podcast. Um, I also wanted to bring up to me got a goal on Saturday night, his development that I, I use that word specifically because his first year with Loyal was good, but it wasn't as good as what we've seen last year. And again, what's happening this year, he seems to be improving. Um, I was joking with Darren before we started recording uh, that we don't always see development. Development is sometimes an issue in San Diego when it comes uh, to professional teams. So it, it's just been really nice to see the way that Tumi has progressed um, now in year three, how much he contributes and having the amount of talent, the depth on this roster is unreal. And I think Toomey is one of the players that really, really benefits. All players benefit from, from a roster like this. But it's clear that Toomey is benefiting as well. And it's just, I think I've said it before, it's just really fun to watch how much fun he's having. And I think the thing you could say about Toomey is you feel very confident when he has the ball at his feet. He seems very sure-footed. And I think there was probably a time, Jordan, to your point, where those aren't words that you would use to describe Tumi Moshibana. You knew he was insanely talented. You knew he had pace. You knew he had ability. But I can remember preseason matches down at the Olympic Training Center where finishing was, was the missing piece. That was the missing quality for Tumi Moshibana. And now it certainly seems like whenever he's given an opportunity, you feel confident that Tumi Moshibani is going to make the right decision. He's going to make the right pass. He's going to draw defenders 
and midfielders into different parts of the parts of the field. He's going to create space. And certainly when he's in on target, you feel like the ball is going to go in the net. And, and to me, from the beginning of last season, I can't say that that was the case for Tumi Moshibani. Breakout season last year, picking right up where he left off. Mm-hmm. And now if you're looking, I'm kind of just looking at the month of August for San Diego now, or excuse me, the month of July. Um, a couple wins against Colorado Springs. You go, what, 6-2 on aggregate there with the home and away? I know it's not exactly how it was set up, but that's that's how it played out. San Diego getting three goals in both of those matches. The lowest dose game where it finishes 5-0 and with the red card, like that's, it's easy to throw that one to the side, isn't it? Getting a win against RGV, who Landon Donovan spoke about it after the match. Like, that's a good team. I know you can look at the standings and see that they're not on the right side of the playoff cut, but the West is deep, as Landon stated. And I think to go a little bit deeper on that, it, it's, it has to be true. Like, if you look at Phoenix right now, they're 11th place in the West. Phoenix is in 11th place because the West got worse. Like, they're clearly they're not as good as they normally are. Clearly they've taken a step back and for whatever reason, but none of that happens without the West improving, right? Like the, like each team. And I, I think it's, it's probably something that the Eastern conference is saying as well, because I think the league is just getting stronger. Um, but the West is deep and RGV. Yeah. A team not considered a playoff team. Like that's a good team that San Diego played Saturday night. And so it's, I consider that another impressive win. Um, and maybe not a win that you always see, maybe not a win that they picked up in 2020 or 2021. Yeah. And you know, it's a club that's given loyal some problems, right? Last year, this year. So, you know, to be able to notch your first ever victory against RGV, I felt like it was significant and keep in mind too loyal also on the wrong end of a refereeing decision on an offside called what should have been a third goal, but neither here nor there, you pick up the points, but I think you're, you know, you're, you're what you're saying about Phoenix and, and right now, Rick Schantz finds himself in a little bit of hot water with the supporters there in Phoenix, orange County, the defending USL championship, uh, the cup holders. We'll see them upcoming this Saturday night in, in OC they're struggling. And I think you're right. I think it does speak to the depth that speaks to loyal. It speaks to New Mexico. It speaks to San Antonio who we'll see in a couple of weeks back at Torero stadium. So uh, you're right. It's not just that, that sometimes you, you fall off, you have a bad season, then on top of it, it's hard to climb out of it, you know, because it doesn't feel like there's a lot of layups out there when you look ahead on the schedule. You mentioned that San Antonio match. Like, I'm, I am looking forward to Orange County this weekend, but I am very much looking forward to San Antonio Ooh. here in San Diego coming up. I am looking forward to it so much that I am flying home early from Napa to, to come to make wow. sure I am there for that match. Normally, I would fly home on a Sunday. I'm flying home early on a Saturday. If you know Jordan, if you know what Jordan likes, that's a compliment. That is is the ultimate compliment coming from Jordan Carruth or from yours truly. If we have wine weekends booked and you're flying home to watch. Yeah, that, that is, that is saying a lot. And can I just say quickly, and this is, I promise you not some pathetic attempt at trying to butter up the supporters, but early on in the match, I just, I don't know what it was. I'm not asking them for, you know, for, for, Hey, this is a great looking audience. Give yourself a round of applause. I thought the supporter section Saturday night was, was even <laughs> livelier than it normally is. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the drumming. I don't know if people walked in in a better mood. I, I couldn't quite tell you what it was, but I even said on my, on my way around at halftime, I even said to a couple of the guys from Chavos and, and from locals, I said, 
you guys are you're keeping it up here tonight. Like I, I really did. I felt like they were they were a difference in the match. It, you know, it wasn't one where, you know, late you're, you know, yeah, you're you're holding on. That's not always been a position of of success for loyal. I don't know. We always give them a ton of credit. Supporters always or or the club always does. But I, I do. I think there was something there on Saturday night. I don't know. I don't know why. But you know, those those that were there, they know. I actually said you guys are even even rowdier than you normally are uh, tonight and and you know kudos to them we're finally getting to the part of the season where like we're into the final third almost not quite officially don't i'm not going to do the math i know no we're not officially into the final third but we're starting to prepare to to land here we only have 13 matches to go and like that's a lot but it's also i mean we 30 plus on the schedule like this time is starting to run out here and, and things are going very well for San Diego. So the intensity that you're hearing at Torero stadium, Darren is only going to pick up here down the stretch, especially with that August match you referenced with San Antonio coming here on August 6th. I cannot wait for that one. And then you get a Wednesday night match against Monterey Bay right after that, get them while you can, because, um, you know, summer's a good time in San Diego. Once you get to September and October, there's, there's a few more road matches on the schedule. So so make sure you uh, you make it out here in August. Uh, Darren, Heath Pierce is set to join the Always Loyal podcast. Heath Pierce, a former U.S. men's national team player, uh, played in MLS, former MLS All-Star, has had a very successful transition from player to media member. I don't know. We'll ask him what he considers himself. But what they are creating with four soccer ventures where he is the president, what it means for soccer here in the States, what it means for people here in San Diego and how it impacts people here in San Diego. And of course, with the world cup coming up, uh, we want to hear about their coverage. So really cool background with Heath Pierce. I'm excited that he's going to join the podcast. He joins the always loyal pod next. Decidió ser un saque de banda. Sí, y la pelota todavía eh, para los San Diego Loyals. Ahora con la posibilidad, ahí se va a voltear el avión para Tommy Mochoban, el surdazo. San Diego Community Power is a not-for-profit public agency committed to providing clean, renewable energy at competitive rates and investing in innovative programs that benefit our communities. You can visit sdcommunitypower.org to learn more about cleaner energy choices. Let's say hello to Heath Pierce. We informed the audience he was coming on a little bit earlier. U.S. Men's National Team 2005-2012. Pro career from mid-2000s to 2015 as well. Jordan, as I was preparing for this interview i just wrote down a bunch of questions and like every question was tell me a story about landon donovan tell me a story about greg berhalter tell me a story about thierry Henry. uh you can find the always uh, or in soccer we trust podcast the orange slices podcast heath pierce is the president of four soccer ventures thank you for joining us Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. And I, man, I've got some stories, some that I will share and some that I won't share uh, of your beloved Landon Donovan and dear friend of mine. Well, let's start okay, with the good. ones you won't share. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there's some good ones. Uh, you won't get to know them, but they are uh, worthwhile. He'll have to tell them. I've heard actually that he's coming out with a book at some point and um, maybe he'll share some of those stories uh, in that book. Yes, that is true. In fact, we can and, confirm that October. Yeah. Actually, I heard 
I heard it's it's getting. I heard it may be getting postponed. I, I can't confirm that, but I will say that if I don't make an appearance in that book, then I'll tell you all the stories after it comes out. So <laughs> if I don't if I don't get into that book, then then I'll tell you everything you want to know. I love that blackmail. It is a, uh, a useful and a successful strategy. Tell us a little bit about uh, before we jump into your career and and jump into uh, the state of soccer in the United States, et cetera. Tell us a little bit about Four Soccer Ventures. Yeah, so we launched Four Soccer Ventures uh, into 2019 with uh, two sort of reasons behind it. One is we wanted to uh, elevate the playing experience, so we wanted to basically. Uh, create more accessibility with the sport, you know? And we thought if we started with an on-field side of uh, investing in sort of a controlled interest in clubs, leagues, tournaments, and programs, trying to build a little bit more of a controlled economy, uh, a controlled ecosystem that we could have, that we could improve the environments for. Try to extend the lifespan of players, solve for some of the issues that exist with the pay-to-play model right now. Obviously, pandemic hit and, and our model has shifted quite a bit. And the other thing was to drive the relevance of the sport. Like how do we make the sport cooler and bigger and sort of in the homes of, of your soccer adjacent uh, family or, or community. And so that's, that's what we started it as we've grown over the last couple of years to being a media and experiences company. So we work with uh, brands uh, across the board to help fast track their soccer expertise, really help them understand the soccer fan, the soccer consumer. Uh, and then on, on the other side of that, we started to build out our portfolio of experiences. So owned and operated properties. So we own Allianz of the football, which we acquired a year and a half ago. Allianz is the largest Hispanic soccer platform in the country um, where we're in 10 markets. We have adult tournaments. We have youth tournaments. We have an ID identification camps and clinics for, for, for both boys and girls. We've recently launched a similar program uh, called black star initiative, uh, which we just actually had uh, just a week ago on the East coast. We're going to be in four markets with that one this year, again, similar to Alianza, which is trying to solve for affordability and accessibility and provide a player pathway for those that might live outside the traditional soccer ecosystems, but for the black community on black star. And then uh, we've got a couple of lifestyle properties. One is, is um, called association, which we've played a couple seasons in here in LA. We're bringing that back uh, in September of this year. It's an eight week league where each team has a different sponsor and they activate the space. And it's a mix of art, music, culture, gaming, things like that. And then that, that will culminate at our first, first uh, in real life uh, experience of FootyCon, which is the first of its kind direct to consumer soccer experience. So think complex con or comic con meets soccer, uh, trying to bring all the different uh, fan types and fan segmentations together under one roof to celebrate the sport, kind of rethinking how you do panels, how you do experiences, how we bring all these fans together. And so we'll have the finals of our association league there and uh, a bunch of other programming. So that's sort of our world of owned and operated properties. And so between that and, and some of our strategic uh, offerings that we, that we work directly with brands, that's sort of the lay of the land, uh, so to speak at the moment for four soccer ventures. And how does a kid growing up in Modesto, California via the university of Portland into the U S men's national team, into a pro soccer career, how do you decide? How do, how do we go from that to where you are here today? Well, that's, that's man, that's a good question. Um, I, I always knew that I never really wanted to be defined as a soccer player because it's just sort of burned into your brain that this is a shelf life, you know? And I remember being young and not having money. And I remember what shelf life meant in our house of just canned goods. And I remember uh, the value of that. And I remember thinking about, well, this is a short shelf life. And as I was going through my career, people started saying things like, oh yeah, you should think about getting in the media. Oh, I always come to you because you give a decent sound bite. And that sort of opened my eyes to, oh, maybe there is something beyond this sport, you know? Because when you're in the, 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 
the race of it all, you have the horse blinders on, you're like, I'm going to play forever. I can't think about anything else. Those are distractions. Uh, that after I had had a number of injuries from a tip fib fracture, lower leg break to a hip surgery to, uh, you know, some other things going on, I was sort of realized I wasn't going to get back to what I considered the national team level. And that's when I started opening up, opening up my eyes. I got a chance to get into the media side on, on uh, in the digital space and getting reps for a company called kick TV at the time, which was owned by major league soccer, just really kind of finding my voice on camera. And as that transitioned, I also saw that as a short shelf life, similar to a player where you're only sort of relevant for a certain amount of time until the next you bumps you from, from that job and realize I need to figure some other things out. So I started helping the company connect to brands that I had worked with in my career and was like, okay, there's something here. And just slowly you start to realize how you build experiences and how you build a value. Uh, and fortunately I've been able to do that in the soccer space and continue going with that to now being president of four soccer ventures where, you know, we, we, we own and operate our, our properties. We do a lot of uh, work with brands and now we're just a little over 50 people and, and, and growing quickly. So it's been a, a fun and exciting ride. And I feel really fortunate to be able to, uh, one, stay in the sport, but to uh, provide a platform. Cause I, it's probably two or three days a week. That I get a call from somebody going, Hey, I did the same thing that you did. I thought this would never end. And now it's ended. I've been forced out of the game. I want to work in soccer, but I don't know what to do. And so fortunately now from when I started in 2015, when I first retired to now, there's much more jobs available. There's much more opportunities, whether that's front office, whether that's in content creation, whether that's working with brands, there's just, the sport is growing so fast that there's a lot more places than just being a coach or, you know, a, an agent or front office. There's so many more things to do. And it's a really exciting time uh, to be in the sport. If you, uh, you've made the transition sound very easy. I can't imagine it's been easy. You just kind of laid out, especially on the back end there of how difficult it can be for a lot of professional athletes, not just in soccer. It can be any sport that transition after being the professional athlete to doing what you're going to do next. What has been the most difficult part of that process for you? Again, you you've made it sound very easy and you picked up on things while you were playing and you, and you learned what you were good at and how you can kind of lean into that. But what's been the difficult part for you? Yeah. It's just missing that locker room feeling, you know, for a long time, I, I didn't watch much soccer. It, it felt funny. It felt weird. Mostly national team games. I still get a little bit of that. When I go to a national team game, I feel a little bit of like, I want to distance myself. The emotions start coming back. You just feel like really weird and conflicted. Uh, but it, I miss that locker room. I miss that community of, of, of being in this place where we're all on the same journey together, all walks alive, different backgrounds, all with a common goal. And I had to sort of redefine that when you get into the business world, I had to redefine what it was like to be in an office, how you build the team. There's so many applicable things, but it's not the same. And so the, throughout that journey, it's, it's, it's been challenging at times only recently, I'd say in the last year, uh, year and a half since the pandemic started, have I found a new love for new sports and I've sort of almost given up playing for the most part. And just by purely the pandemic, cause there was a group of us that would play a couple of days a week here of, of ex pros in the area. And then when that stopped, I was like, man, I got to figure out how to compete in other things, right? I got to figure out things that stimulate me and make me feel good and make me feel bad and go through the ebb and flow of, of, of competing in things. And so I picked up a whole bunch of new sports that I sucked at and then just slowly suck less uh, and suck less and suck less until I start to enjoy them. And that's been a big part of, of finding that to the point where recently I was thinking like, man, it'd be really good for retiring players to just go on a sports boot camp when they retire and try every sport because you might not like a sport. You might love another one that you can find a new thing that you can apply yourselves to. Cause it seems like the natural transition, like, Oh, I'm going to go play golf or I'm going to go whatever. Um, but it's not that easy because you, you got to find a new community of people that you trust and 
be, be willing to put yourself out there. But in the last year and a half or so, it's, it's been a huge benefit for me to be able to learn new sports and, and move a little bit away from this single thing that I knew my whole life. Something I heard you reference a little bit earlier. I want to hear you talk about more um, is how to make soccer cooler, right? Like, I, I think that's, that's part of something that you're answering um, with everything that you're doing. Uh, what is the easy answer there? How, how do we make soccer cooler in the States? Man, I mean, young kids are cool already. And I, I remember going to a dinner a couple, like, I don't know, seven years ago. And there was a bunch of these people from another sport getting together, talking about how are we going to make soccer cool? You know, like we came from basketball, we came from football, like, and we're, we're, we are the shepherds that are going to make this thing cool. And I remember a close friend of mine named Ben Hooper, who works with us now and, and leads our, our, our FootyCon property and association property. Ben Hooper had played professionally for a long time. He's really been in the soccer space. I don't know if you guys remember the original Winger website or Bumpy Pitch as a brand. He was the founder of all these things with Brian Dunseth. Just a really cool guy in the space. And I remember him basically saying, hey, guys, that's not on us. That's already happening. You know, there's young kids that are riding really cool skateboards with the coolest sneakers that are you know, part of this cultural life. And so it's about providing that platform. And that's why we got into the experiences space, whether that's association or footy con, because it's not us to, to define culture. It's not us to define cool, but we want to create a, a mechanism that celebrates that, that everybody from all walks of life are contributing to the cool factor, to the cultural side of the sport. And so instead of me looking at you guys and saying, no, I'm the cool, I'm culture. I'm the cool one. And you guys saying, no, we're the cool ones because look at what we do and we're authentic and you're not which is what you feel a lot of in that sort of lifestyle space of soccer. It's about, it's, we decided like, how do we actually just build a platform to bring all these people together and find a lot more connective tissue than differences. And that platform in itself can celebrate all the amazing things that people in the soccer space are doing people that have dedicated their lives to the growth of. So I think the cool is already there now, how, how it becomes cool. And then the, the relevance where now we're surpassing other sports that's where the challenge lies, right? And there's some of that is in player development because, you know, a, a big thing for us at Four Soccer Ventures is we believe that player development is fan development. And if we have this massive drop-off at 12, 13 years old, it can't be like many people we know that graduated or did their study abroad and they came back Chelsea fans because they got to experience something for the first time. Now you've got San Diego, right? You've got two teams there that you can experience in your, in your own backyard. You've got lower divisions that are really, really unique. You've got everything across the board that if we can just introduce and, and, and give players a really good experience at a young age, even if they transition out or they don't make it to the elite levels, that they, they keep that love for the game, I think that's what's going to drive the long-term relevance and growth and that consumer base, which eventually leads to, again, there being a, a sustainable or a large amount of money within the sport that can prop this up into being something really big and compete with the other big sports in North America. Yeah, see, that's exactly it right there. And that's that's pretty much where I was going to go was how do we make lower division soccer bigger? How do we make lower division soccer cooler? But you, you just touched on that. And I think so much of it is um, how much would you say is is our media culture in this country? I mean, it's great, you know, that you and Jimmy do the In Soccer We Trust podcast, the Orange Slices podcast, that we have a podcast here that's specific to San Diego Loyal. But in terms of, of media coverage, and I wonder, like, did something good come out of missing the World Cup in 2018? Maybe it's that we, you know, we saw a, a bit of a sharper media, uh, you know, realizing that that was a catastrophe. But, but how would you, you know, evaluate where we are just as a, a proper soccer country being well-rounded, not just in terms of thinking it's cool. I think we're there, right? Uh, you know, mm -hmm. video games, players playing in Europe, all of that's great. MLS seems to be getting bigger all the time, uh, nationally, but, but just in terms of 
improving our, our culture here media-wise? How, how, how are we doing in that department? I think it's great. And, and like you said, the fact that, that you are a USL team that has a podcast specifically dedicated to your community, I think that's a really important factor. And, and when you go back to the fact that everything has been measured on this, like, well, how does it compare to the Champions League uh, type of thing where it's like this visual product and how does it compare to a hundred year history of, of, of the English Premier League? When you start to dial it all back into being community-based and really focusing on on not talking about the quality, yeah, quality of, of play is one thing, quality of broadcast is one thing, but also how you identify within your community. And you look at all the success stories over the years with 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 you guys down in San Diego, you look at uh, Ford Madison, you look at the Oakland Roots and how everything is unique to these communities, New Mexico. There's just so many unique, uh, you know, one Knoxville, just talking specifically to their communities and saying, hey, we actually have a nationwide product because it's cool and it's authentic. But it's going to be first and foremost about the, the area that we're in. And we're going to speak authentically to our community. We're going to connect with them. And we're not going to compare ourselves to other people. We're going to do our thing. And I think there's a confidence in that that is happening, that is growing uh, across the board. And then now, like you said, on, on, on the media front, you're, you're bringing in a much more diverse set of uh, perspectives. Instead of like the polarization of soccer in the same way that we have politics now, you're getting a much more rounded approach. Now, don't like Twitter is still a vacuum and uh, a place full of uh, uh, insanity, some great takes, some not so great takes. And there's a, there's a community for that as well. But I think we're just starting to see more and more voices where the, the, the anecdote I would use for that is more and more experiences, more people coming into the sport experience and providing a different uh, voice. When I when when we were hiring uh, at, at my last job, when we were Kick TV and Copa 90, we got to the first 20, 25 people in around 2017, 18. And then it was really hard to find people with real life experience and a love and understanding for the sport. And now fast forward to 2022, we've been able to, and 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 you guys probably feel the same where you are, we've been able to on the, on the, for soccer side, hire a much wider range, people who were all getting their first taste of soccer in the last six, seven years, maybe lifelong fans, but now it's a mix of like these tangible skills and they and and a love for the game. And I think that is is building just a really strong fan product, a a, a really strong um foundation for the sport go- moving forward when you have these confident voices coming from different communities. And you have seen uh, you know, just a ridiculous amount of growth from your time as a kid into your college career, into your national team career, your club career, et cetera. So World Cup year 2022, you just talked a little bit about fast forwarding. Fast forward to the next couple of years here leading up to 2026. I, I just see a, an unprecedented amount of growth potential for the sport in this country. Not that it hasn't come light years already, Heath, but where we're going hosting the World Cup in 2026 is going to be such a different experience than 1994. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the fan base is much bigger. The understanding is much bigger. We have star players. We've got this young crop of players that are playing at big clubs in Champions League. We're kind of covering all of the bases of what the sport was popular from before. You know, we've got Premier League players. We've got Champions League players. We've got a stable, growing Major League Soccer. We've got USL finding its feet. We've got that creating multiple divisions now that are connecting with these communities where people can go, well, you know, this is part of my community. Soccer not necessarily, I don't come here to watch, you know, if you're going to Knoxville, but you watch, you know, Arsenal on the weekend, you're probably not coming to watch for 
to compare it to the product you watch on the field, you're coming because you're like, this is a community. I love this game because of all that it stands for, the progressive nature of it. And so all of that in this groundswell, it's really hard to see how fast it's growing. But for when you're, when you're living inside of it every day and you see the successes of, 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 of everything happening domestically, as well as everybody's kind of on the gold rush to get to the U.S. to establish themselves, knowing the growth that's going to come. It's pretty spectacular, and I agree with you. It's, it's going to be something unbelievable uh, over the next years and beyond 2026 into 27, obviously, Olympics 28. Um, and, and then hopefully that sets the new benchmark of what the next 20 years look like in the sport. What are your expectations for the World Cup in 2022 for the U.S.? Uh, for the U.S.? Yes. Oh man, it's, it's, it's so hard, uh, to know the team is obviously talented. We're still lacking depth. What feels like in a few positions, but I think we're solid. Obviously we need a number nine. It would be great to have Len Donovan come back whenever he's ready. Um, mm-hmm. where I think we're not deep at the center back position, but we have a lot of young players, but when we go back to the gold cup, uh, two summers ago, and it was like, okay, Oh, not the gold cup nations league. We're like, okay, well now they're getting experience together in some uh, official competition. Win that you go to the gold cup with a different group. Okay. Now they're getting experience in another type of competition. You win that with, with Mexico both times. And then you're like, yeah, but they've never been world cup qualifying. And then you go through world cup qualifying, probably not as polished or great as we wanted it. And you go, okay, you go through that. And so they're picking up all these experiences along the way, but now we get to the world cup and you go, well, we don't have anybody that's played in the world cup. And that's a bigger deal because managing and navigating a group stage, how you play Wales versus how you're going to play against England, how you're going to play Iran are very, very different. And so I think the U S has a very good chance to get out of the group, uh, from there. I'm not really sure it's whether or not they can make the adjustments to if Iran's going to play in a deep block or, or if Wales want to want to, you know, kind of go punch for punch where you fall against England. I think we have a great runway on, on how, how our matches line up to go to the next round. But it'd be great to see them go to a, to a quarterfinal, but it's just so hard to tell right now. And then, you know, every week is different. You go this last week and we have five or six of our strikers either goal, get a goal or an assist in a preseason game. So we jump on that and go, yeah, they're back. And then we go a month spell where no one's scoring. So it's like a constant uh, ebb and flow that it's the most nervous I've ever been, but also the most excited about the potential because we know the fallback is like, this is the crop that's probably, you know, at least 50% going to lead this team. Uh, in 2026. So uh, I don't want to overhype it because you just never know. Uh, but I do like the group that we got. I like the the squad that we have. And 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 I'm backing Greg Berhalter be, to be able to lead this team to hopefully some good results. All right. See, and, and as we started this interview, I said, I felt like most of my preparation was, man, I, I hope we have time for him to tell me a great story about Thierry Henry. But, but our club president is Ricardo Campos, who you would know. Mm-hmm. Uh, time together spent in New York with, uh, with Red Bull. Obviously, Landon Donovan, is there... I will just leave it up to you. Is there one story that pops into your mind? I'll just keep rattling off names until the light bulb goes off. Yeah. Is there one story that you'd be willing to share? Maybe, maybe more relevant to, to us locally here from Landon okay. or for Ricardo. Yeah. So I don't know. Landon might not like this story, uh, but Landon was, was at a point in his life. He was going through a lot of changes, kind of, kind of taking, taking stock of life and, 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 and resetting. Uh, that's how I'll preface the start of the story. We were down in South Africa and I was a pretty tech savvy guy and spent a lot of my time on online. Um, and, uh, I was actually the one who, who built and set up Landon Donovan's very first Facebook page. Uh, and so, uh, and it wasn't a page. It was a personal profile. He hadn't had one. Like I said, uh, you know, at this point in his life, he was ready to have one. So we were sitting in the, in the player's lounge thing that we had built up in South Africa. Uh, I think this was probably either this was for the Nelson Mandela challenge, which is a friendly or, or confederations cup. I cannot remember. 
but um, I, I set up his profile for him, gave him a few friend follows, set up the, you know, kind of how it all works, explained it to him. He had been obviously out of that world for a while. And I was pretty proud at the time to like get his pictures into there. And like, really, I built him a really beautiful profile. And I was like, man, it must be nice to be Landon Donovan. Uh, once I saw just the day that I set up, just how many people wanted to be friends with him. Uh, and that was like, you know, as the world, social media was Facebook at that time. You had Facebook and probably a little bit of MySpace still then, but you know, there wasn't all these other, other, uh, um, platforms. And so that was a, a proud moment, uh, for me, uh, to be able to do for Landon Donna. He, he probably doesn't even remember, but I remember. Did you have to use your Portland college email address to get access to Facebook? Was it that long ago or was it open to everyone at this point? In- I, I think. Yeah, I think it was open to everyone there because okay. I know damn well Landon didn't have a college email address. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if he even had a high school email address. So I don't think so. Uh, Bradenton, Bradenton, I don't think he had a BradentonAcademy.edu address. Uh, and so uh, I'm pretty sure by that point they were they were letting um, other people in. So I was able to create the profile for him and and hand it off uh, to him. And you know, you know, say, <laughs> are you still friends? I would say we're still friends. We don't, you know, Landon I mean, and I have always, oh, on Facebook. Yeah, probably. I, I, uh, I bet neither of us have been on Facebook in so long that, you know, who knows, but that's actually a good, a good follow-up to go in and see. And, uh, you know, he's probably got 40,000 messages that he hasn't responded to. So, um, but, uh, I hope that we're still friends on Facebook. If I made his Facebook profile for him and then he unfollowed me, that's pretty bad. That's, yeah. that's, that's that the be, bad look from him, you yeah. know? I'm kind of hoping like if San Jose offers him the job, hopefully they just send it to his Facebook account and he never sees the offer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't worry. It'll come straight to me. I'll decline it guys. I've still got the backup password. So perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, we got it on record. He thanks so yeah. much for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you. That was a great game. Great game. That's um, honestly probably one of the hardest games we've played this year. RGB are a really good team. This conference is insane. So a team like that near the, in the bottom half of the standings doesn't make a lot of sense because they're very good. So a lot of credit to them for making the game really hard. Um, I thought overall we had I think three changes we were kind of forced to make tonight. Um, with Vass out, with Stoney out, and um, and Guido out. Sorry, Guido, I forget him. Um, but I'm really proud of the guys who came in and played really, really big games. I thought Camden Riley was fantastic. Jack Metcalf was excellent, not just in his performance, but in his leadership. Um, and Evan Conway made the play to win the game. You know, was just active all night. So really proud of our team. When you have depth, um, real depth, you win games like this during the year. And when you don't, it's hard to win games like this. So just really proud of the guys to pick up three points on a really hard night. Darren, let's take a look at the Western Conference standings presented by the Bright app, the world's leading platform for personal training available on the App Store and Google Play. Give me the good news. Jordan, look at that. Who's sitting second on the table in the Western Conference standings? That's right. That's right. San Diego Loyal Soccer Club. First, San Antonio Football Club. They remain at the top where they have been for most of the season, and they continue to seemingly get better now. Winners of what? Five straight. Loyal Second in the Western Conference, Colorado Springs switchbacks. Third, level on points. Loyal edges them out just in terms of goals scored, I believe it is. 
New Mexico's fourth, El Paso five, Vegas six, Sacramento, and good luck to Sacramento in the U.S. Open Cup this week, taking on, and the lone lower division club remaining sitting seventh, below the cut line for the Western Conference playoffs, Los Dos, Oakland, RGV, who we just saw, Phoenix, this week's away opponent, Orange County Soccer Club, just 22 points, and Monterey Bay, the bottom of the Western Conference standings, with 20 technically uh just yeah just a couple behind orange county loose city on top in the east jordan Cruz. yes sir um yeah we referenced it earlier phoenix is not as low on the standings as they are because the west is bad this is a very good conference um and it's a league that is improving you referenced san antonio that's a team that has scored eight goals this month they have allowed zero they are very good that august 8th match or excuse me I've got to get this right. August 6th match, Saturday night, Torero Stadium, San Diego, San Antonio. As it stands right now, that is first versus second in the West. Um, so a very, very big matchup coming up next month. And they've been a very good team here in the month of July, obviously, um, all season. But lately, it really stands out because they're scoring a lot and they do not allow goals lately. So mm. they are a good team. It's a deep conference, and that's the best of the best so far. Going to make you battle tested heading into the postseason. What a cool conversation too with Heath Pierce. You can follow him on Twitter at Heath Pierce. Again, he's the president for Soccer Ventures. A couple of different podcasts in soccer we trust in Orange Slices. They do just a ton. 35 caps, Jordan. That's not an insignificant amount for the U.S. men's national team. 35 caps. So he had a really, really good career. And I love what he said too. It's not just about having a career in soccer. It's about trying to figure out a way to grow soccer in this country, which is what I really like. Because a lot of dudes just get into it just because it's what they know. So let me figure out a way to just stay involved. And it sounds mm -hmm. like it's it's a little bit of a more elevated approach for Heath Pierce. So thank you to Ricardo Campos and Travis for helping set that up. And, and uh, hopefully we can steer people in that direction. He gave us a really good Landon Donovan story. I'm very happy with the story. When he first started it, I thought it was going to go in a completely different direction because he said, I believe was, I don't know if Landon's going to be happy about this. And like he, I mean, the story was really, really good, but like, I can't imagine LD has an issue with that story. Like he created his Facebook account. Like that's funny. It's really good, but like, there's no issue there Two Southern California guys. I kind of thought mm. that story was going to be like, we went to TJ one weekend and then we were going to get somewhere. I felt like it might have been but a the warning. The Facebook though. story was good. It was a warning to Landon. You know, as he said, if he's not mentioned in the book, you know, then Landon, there, that there's way more explosive stories right. somewhere out there on the horizon. So that was just a little bit of a shot across the bow for Landon. Okay. You know, you got the Facebook story out there. It's relatively benign, but you know, there's 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 lots more. There's like there's there's a whole well of this type of stuff. Can we? get that message to San Jose. If they do, for whatever reason, send a contract offer to make sure to forward it to his Facebook account. Mm. Facebook. Gosh, I remember how delighted I was when I deleted that, when I just got rid of that page altogether. Uh -huh. You're going to feel just as good when you delete your Twitter eventually. <laughs> hey, uh, have fun for those traveling up to Orange County. A couple of yeah. different buses being loaded up this weekend so it sounds like a ton of fun we did that last year and it was a blast even though it came in defeat i think it there are some seats available so definitely check in on that like if you're interested on in going um on the bus this weekend make sure you reach out the club has posted about it and i think there are a few seats left so jump on those yeah i think that there's one with uh season ticket members and i think there's another one with with supporters i, I don't know you'll have to you'll have to dip in and check that out for yourselves
but I loved it last year. It was a lot of fun last year. Like I said, even though the results sucked. Yeah. I remember doing uh, match day live from there. That's right. And that huge, huge complex that they have just never ending fields. Probably, probably a result that cost loyal a shot field. at a home field playoff game. Right. Different year here in 2022. Loyal is deep. All right, Darren Smith. Um, we will chat with you soon Saturday on the road at orange County as a second place loyal squad uh, takes on a struggling OC site. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully uh, San Diego can get, just keep doing what they've been doing lately. All right. Enjoy the rest of your week. Peace out. Baja bound driving to Mexico. Visit BajaBound.com for the easiest way to get Mexican auto insurance for your trip. Their easy to use website allows you to buy your Mexico insurance in minutes from your computer or any mobile device, BajaBound.com, serving Mexico travelers since 1994.